We've done this before. Let's try something new. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full spectrum source for all things music, insight, and opinion. Today is September 21st, 2020. My name is Bill, and I'm joined here today with Connor and Steve. So, uh, have you guys encountered anything new or interesting in the past week? Um, I actually rediscovered this band. I hadn't listened to them in quite some time, and... They're actually one of my favorable thrash acts that doesn't really get a lot of notoriety. The band's Onslaught. They they formed in like the mid '80s. They were part of like the tail end of like Exodus and every one of them getting like big and obviously the big four thrash. Yeah. Um. And then they had a couple lineup changes. I don't know if you know the band Grim Reaper. Like See You in Hell. Yeah. They they had him for an album at one point. Then they had this other singer that came back, but they just released a new album back on August seventh. Um. It's called Generation Antichrist because they got super like <laughs> anti-religion at their tail end. The, the album, the thing with me with New Thrash, a lot of it becomes too polished. They kind of lose that production value of that that real like crunchy, like raw sound. Yeah. Where it's not like punk or like black metal raw, but it's like enough to be where you can hear the tempo and really hear the talent in the guitar. Yeah, exactly. But the album itself, it's, it's like an average listen. I listened to the whole thing a couple times now. It's just not doesn't really do it for me in the sense of like newer thrash metal bands. It's just like an older band trying to keep up and yeah, I mean, it's worth a listen if you like the genre, but the album itself just uh, average at best. <laughs> if I was a rate your music reviewer on this, it would probably barely make the five star cut. Wouldn't that be like above average if it's making the five, it would barely five make star it. cut? It, like I think anything around the five star area, it's like it's worth a listen because you might like it. But to me, it's like you I've listened about five to five out of ten. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> rate yeah. your music's out of five. Is it out of five? Yeah, this one was like on a percentage yeah. base as well. Okay, so then it would be like a two, two, two and a half, two, almost two and a half. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna dick Connor around with rate your music. He's an editor on the page. I forgot. Yeah, two point eight. I'm standing around. <laughs> royalty at this point in time in the rate your music generation this is the second episode in a row i'm bigger on wikipedia (laughs) feel free to use us for your platform to expose yourself through the airwaves rate your music the free encyclopedia absolutely (laughs) if you haven't been on it we highly recommend oh absolutely it's where i get like 90 percent of all find so much shit on there yeah (laughs) absolutely so i've got a inlet by hum 90s shoegaze alternative metal favorites nice known for their hit stars uh their new album yeah it's called inlet um i like the track step into you nice my new interesting this week is not music related well i guess it kind of nah no i can't even tie this in this is just completely not music related Mm -hmm. at all uh netflix released lucifer season five part Mm -hmm. one and I got midway through it, and gotta say, they did it again. 
They did it. Let me ask you this, because we were just talking about this in the sense, because I tried to get through it. I got through like half a season one. I just kind of fell off with it. And then other shit kind of came on the map that I started watching, um, like Ozark and like other shows at that point in time. If you were going to put this like overall as a show, like related to something that's like widely known and like how good it is in your opinion. Well, what do you mean? Like, if like I, what's one of your favorite shows like that you've seen in full that like you could rewatch on a regular occasion? Well, I mean, that would be like The Office or Parks and Recreation. It's nowhere even close. Well, I'm saying in the sense of like even like Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, The Sopranos, or even um, well, it's a Jerry Bruckheimer. It's Jerry Bruckheimer directed series, yeah. so it is good. I mean, I wouldn't put it up on like the plateau of like you know The Sopranos by any means, but it's kind of like. Um, Sopranos is on. How do you relate it to, like, yeah. Dexter? I'd, I'd say it's just as good as Dexter. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I kind of got the same vibes with that as I did when I started watching Dexter it. fucking tanks. That's the problem. Well, yeah. That's yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. The Dexter was Dexter terrible. Dexter tanked hard. Yeah. Like, um... That's the thing with this show. It's like newer, so you haven't even gotten to a point of possible. Are they bringing back Dexter? I thought I heard something about that. I heard something about that, too. He didn't die. I wasn't sure. I mean, it's fucked up. Deb died, but... Sorry for all the listeners around that. Spoiler alert. <laughs> you should just put a bleep in that whole section. Just like, it's fucked up to beep. You know, because like, yeah. That'd be funny as well. But yeah, I mean, I guess I can, I can relate it to Dexter. It's like if Dexter meets like CSI. Well, I was going to ask that because Jerry Bruckheimer did CSI. Yeah, it's like CSI meets Lucifer meets like, uh, like angels Wait, and demons. What? Lucifer. Lucifer is like CSI meets Lucifer. Yeah, pretty much. It's like not it's <laughs> like using the word in the definition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's well. Hold on. To get a good understanding of the show, you have to realize that it's also a comic series through DC. Yeah. Lucifer is the devil, but Lucifer lives in Los Angeles, California, as a human being that owns a nightclub. So yeah. he's like super fucking rich. Mm-hmm. And he somehow just stumbles his way into becoming a civilian... Uh, what the fuck do they call it? An anti-hero? No, no, no. Like, um, for the for the Los Angeles Police Department, he's like a... Um, Private investigator. Yeah, pretty much. Like a, yeah, consultant. like a... Yeah, consultant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we okay, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a f- civilian consultant for the LAPD... And, like, he's solving all these fucking cases and shit. That he can just fucking see through his devil fucking vision. Isn't that, like, the issue, isn't it? Like, they're trying to bring him back to hell or something like that, and he's, you know... Yep, and he doesn't want to go. I'm having too much fun. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much... (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. He's like... I gotta revisit it, because it did come up as a number one recommended thing, and it reminded me that I started watching it. Either of you, it's a good show. X-Files was another show that fucking tanked hard. That's what I've heard. Like, the first five seasons are really good of X-Files. Even the sixth and seventh one are pretty good, but then after that... My biggest tank of all time is Game of Thrones. That was the biggest fucking letdown of, you know, cinematic it's so television. Funny yeah, I love that Game of Thrones tanked because the whole time I was like, I fucking don't vibe. And I was that show. guy for about four seasons. I refused to get into it. But I'm like into that medieval, like even like black metal songs. Shit. I love yeah. that like epic. It's also European centered to me. I don't I don't like the Eurocentric aspect of like the old medieval shit. Like, yeah, like, like Middle Earth and all that other shit. I'm, yeah, I'm all about, fan I'm of all that. about that like, shit. Like where, where are the... Uh, where are the Chungs and, like, uh, the African... Oh, dude, the Unsullied. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Huh? She frees all these slaves and makes this army of the Unsullied. In, in Game of Thrones? Yeah, in like the fifth season. There's that's black where she gets her armor. Game of yeah, Thrones? yeah. Okay. One of the main huh. one of the main girls that is Melisandre. She's she was a slave. What about and, Asians? Well, I mean, no Asians. Come on, we got like three billion Asians. I got like seven billion. Well, Aaron, <laughs> no Aaron, representation. Aaron Rodgers made it. Where's onto the, the cast listing? Aaron Rodgers from Stained. Oh, from the Green Bay Packers. Oh, wait. Oh, Aaron Lewis. <laughs> Whoops. Wrong Aaron. All That's right. funny. Anyway. I, mean, I, I mean, Aaron Rodgers looks like he probably loves all that shit. Yeah, so he, he was in like a brief second where he's he's he got burned up by off. Dragonfire. He was just yeah. like a, an extra. Is he that, on the Packers this year? Yeah. Okay, I don't know. They signed a they, they drafted a quarterback, though, and it was a big problem. They were like, oh, we need receivers, and like the second pick, they drafted a well, quarterback. Well, dude, Aaron Rodgers has been there for a minute now. He replaced Brett Favre. Yeah, baby. no, it's like the yeah. same. They're yeah. doing the same thing, pretty much. You, I mean, I don't know if it's popular belief or not, but a show I feel like severely tanked, and you could probably attest to it, is The Walking Dead. Oh, I stopped watching it. Dude. Is it still on? It killed me. <laughs> I was because I used to 10. read those fucking graphic novels. Like I read Dude. them because I didn't have an opportunity for a period of time, so I was keeping up with it by reading ahead. And He's printing money. Yeah, dude, I started watching it, and this show, I, I knew what was going to happen. I was like, how do you end a show like this, A, and B, how do you keep it going long enough to keep it fresh? But it's the Bro. same. You know what I'm talking about? blacklisted because he called out Steven Spielberg for printing money. With Indiana Jones 5, he's like, Steven Spielberg isn't, you know, he's like, I thought this was like the moment of my career, I was going to be an Indiana Jones movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come to find out that Steven Spielberg isn't actually an artist anymore, he's just printing money with fucking reboots and shit. Shia LaBeouf got fucking shafted by Hollywood. He got shafted he because, because he, yeah. he, 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 bit a, he bit a big to, hand that fed. Yeah, he refused to buy into the But Steven Spielberg didn't, like, make him or anything, like, you know what I mean? Like, he, like he's not little Timmy from fucking Jurassic Park. She yeah, buffs no. his own man. Yeah. <laughs> Completely unrelated, but kind of related to the whole Hollywood thing now. Did you see the meme where they were talking about Corey Feldman and, like, how he was right, like, all these years ago? Of course. About, like, the pedophile rings and yeah. shit, and mm-hmm. now no one's, like, talking about him anymore? Mm-hmm. They're probably like, listen, Corey, all eyes are on you. You better keep your mouth shut during this very sensitive time for us. <laughs> we're not fucking around with you anymore, Corey. <laughs> He's having, like a, like, a free Britney moment. Yeah. It's going to be free Corey. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. You know, we, we should start that on the show. Just like hashtag free Corey. It's dude, nah, some crazy shit. I was thinking CNN ran a fucking story like a week ago on like about uh trying to debunk all the conspiracy theorists with Cornell and Bennington and and Avicii and stuff because it's gaining so much traction again. And that was three years ago. Yeah, and they still have to run like counter reports to it. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Yeah, it's fucking wild. Crazy times we're living in, folks. On this day in music history. And on this day in music history, September 21st, 1966, Jimi Hendrix uh, changes the spelling of his name to J-I-M-I um, at the urging of his manager, Chaz Chandler. His manager should have changed his well, fucking name. Yeah, his I don't manager know. fucking killed him. <laughs> I read French news. I don't posts. get that, dude. Is there like more to that story? Do we know anything here personally on like what was the reason behind this? What killing him? It's because he started no, teaming up with the black fucking Panthers. Fucking name. And shit. 
his name. Our sources uh, sources have come up dry. Okay. It's, wait, wait, wait. Can we check the sources? Sounds cooler. Flies off the tongue. We got nothing. Jimmy. They got nothing. Nothing! <laughs> anyway, more importantly, in 1993, Nirvana released In Utero. All Apologies Back With Rape Me is released with it. It's the last Nirvana single released while Kurt Cobain is still alive. I might have to release a little retraction here because Heart Shape Box was technically the first single. What was the last single actually released? Penny Royalty was like being released the week he died, and some places already had the single, and some places before didn't. he died. Yeah, some places sent it back to get the credit, and some places kept it, and those copies are like amongst the most valuable. I was gonna say, Nirvana what's on that? What's on that single? Uh, some versions have. Uh, hey, uh, Penny Royalty and I Hate Myself and Want to Die and some versions have Penny Royalty Where Did You Sleep Last Night Oh wow really? Shit. That die. Penny Royalty I Hate Myself and Want to Die is probably fucking dope yeah. Well and uh, I hate Where Did You Sleep Last Night wasn't released yet the Unplugged album wasn't That's what I'm saying so this it's is just, just a studio It's yeah. the studio version of it? It's the version that's on the Unplugged, Unplugged. album I read rather Damn. have the other one with I Hate Myself and Want to Die what do you mean? What? The Penny Royalty, I Hate Myself, I Want to Die. No, no, no. The Penny Royalty is the studio version. I'm That's saying, what I mean. Where did you sleep see, last night? Two versions. Recording. Yeah, He's saying two. out of the two versions, he'd rather have the I, I Hate Myself, I Want to Die one. Instead so, of the one with... One has... I, they both have I Hate Myself, I Want to Die. Oh, and one, one doesn't extra, have Where Did You Sleep uh, Last I Night. I thought you said one I think one the vinyls two, don't have Where two. Did You Sleep Last Night. The oh. CDs have it. Okay, so the CDs have all three tracks. Yeah, but they're they're worth like uh, fifteen. You've searched bucks this up before. Yeah. Damn, what the fuck? Two grand. If any of you out yeah. there, avid Nirvana collectors, have uh, I have a fake one. You have a fake one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, like an unofficial? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. If anyone out there has uh, one for a decent price, you know where to find us. They did reissue it for Record Store Day one year, though. So you can get those. It's probably a little bit cheaper. Eh, Still a limited price. Probably no more than like 75 bucks, I would guess. We're looking for first initial runs. (laughs) (laughs) We need that 15 hundo game. (laughs) I'll hit you at uh, 750. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, oh, you're not on Facebook anymore, so you don't see Marketplace. Someone's got a Kurt Cobain Jag for 1100 bucks on there. It's been on there for like two months. I sold mine for 1075. I was pretty right. happy with that. Yeah. yeah, but this dude's been sitting on it for a while now. I had to drive to Connecticut to do so, so it cost me. Sorry, I basically got like a thousand. But yeah, it's crazy. He should have paid for uh, expenses. He didn't haggle with me at all. So he made it so easy. I got, yeah. yeah, that's good. I was like, it was it was a two and a half hour drive. It was right at the edge of Connecticut. Yeah, got to keep yeah. the personal yeah. trade alive and strong. Yeah, yeah. So any of you listeners out there in the tri-state area or on the East Coast in general, if you're looking for a Kurt Cobain Jaguar, mm-hmm. it's all marketplace for eleven hundred bucks. It's been I, out I there will, for a while. I will say, grand. I don't miss my Kurt Cobain Jaguar though. That neck really fucking killed it for me because mm. um, you're nuts, dude. I love that guitar. The 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 radius on the neck is wrong. They're charging eleven hundred dollars for it, like it's this like perfect reissue of what Kurt Cobain played. Kirk Cobain had an old school neck on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was the 7.25 radius. This has like the new modern player 9.5 radius, and it, it really killed it for me. I, the Jazzmaster I like so much better. <sighs> that guitar was awesome. <laughs> uh, anyways, in 2001, the Benefit Concert, America, a tribute to heroes. 
airs on most major TV networks, raising over $128 million for victims of the September 11th attacks. Performers include Bruce Springsteen, Neil Young, Paul Simon, Billy Joel, Tom Petty, and Willie Nelson. Going to this cast of characters here, I feel like they're like the ones where it's like, okay, we're doing a relief concert, we gotta get Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Yeah, we got to get Joel, Paul Simon. Tom Petty. And it's like, hey, uh, what's uh, Billy Joel up to nowadays? Oh, he's just playing, you know, piano Madison on the Square side Garden of the street. every fucking year. <laughs> whatever he does now. Fuck Billy Joel. Bring it all the way I Willie said. Nelson is obviously the token fellow in that group. I mean. I started the fire, asshole. <laughs> Paul Simon. <laughs> Willie Nelson's fucking, definitely token. Poor Art Garfunkel. He's just watching Paul go out there. <laughs> I feel like Bruce Springsteen and Neil Young. Bruce Springsteen more than Neil Young is like the like we're having a relief concert. Well, we need Bruce. Yeah, if you Bruce want to instill patriotism into the country. Bruce yeah. Springsteen's kind of like that soft protest singer where he's not really singing against these, anything. He's just kind of like I feel the working man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he yeah. is like the guy for every blue collar bar. Like you're yeah. definitely hearing like yeah. born in the USA on while mm-hmm. everyone's like getting like even though it's an anti American song. <laughs> Going off. To kill the yellow man. <laughs> like as they're sitting there with their yeah. fucking, you know, mugs filled with their fucking fourth or fifth Miller Light. Oh yeah, dude. Coors Light. They're sitting there. Oh my god, I love this song. They're oh just my- getting fat, yeah. not even drunk. Just you go back to the eighties when you make America great again. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years forward in 2011, REM announced that they're calling it quits after more than 30 years. Um, in a post on their website, the band members write. To our fans and friends as R.E.M. and as lifelong friends and co-conspirators, we have decided to call it a day as a band. We walk away with a great sense of gratitude, of finality, and of astonishment at all we've accomplished. To anyone who ever felt touched by our music, our deepest thanks for listening. Wow, that was really fucking, like... Professional. Yeah, like somebody else definitely wrote that. Yeah. Michael Stipes and R.E.M. didn't fucking care anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And they hyped those last two albums up as like these big return yeah. to forms and goodness, so they could go out on a high note. But it was all they were kind of, kind of just pumping out songs. They were just, just kind of done. The, yeah, like they were their last real album was probably Reveal. Yeah, and it wasn't as good. Like yeah. it was a decline, and it's. Like I honestly around the sun was trash, and then accelerate <clears throat> and collapse in an hour, like. I'll accelerate's all right. Like I'd give accelerate maybe three and a half out of five. Like right around reveal and then collapse into now probably like two. I honestly right down, back down there with around the sun. New Adventures came out in 01, right? No, that was like ninety six. Oh, so that was that early? That was the follow up to Monster. Oh wow, yeah, because that's like the last one 98. I really got into was New Adventures and Hi Fi. You know, I like up and reveal. Going back to accelerate, I remember the first time that me and you like actually hung out. It was your yeah, birthday you party. Yeah, I bought you accelerate. My, yeah, I still have it. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Like I remember sitting there like Connor. I liked like, it when it came out. Yeah, I remember Connor was like, like uh, I was like Connor likes REM. This just came out. I'm pretty sure he'll like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nah, so, that was we, good. We've been best friends ever since. Yeah. So again, thank you REM. Supernatural, super serious was a banger. If you think about it, this podcast wouldn't be possible without the uh, help of uh, Michael Stipe and the boys of REM. That's crazy to think about. We owe them a debt of, uh, you know, of gratitude. Yeah, he's the one we're talking about to anybody who felt touched by our music. Our deepest thanks for listening. Well, you're welcome. 2012 <laughs> was 
when Green Day set us cut short at the iHeart Radio Festival oh in God. Vegas, lead singer Billy Joe Armstrong flies off the handle, stopping the show and going to a rant where he says, I'm not fucking Justin Bieber, you motherfuckers. You gotta be fucking joking. It's so weird that this brought up. I was on Instagram before I came here, fucking saw a video of some kid came up on guitar, and it was like a 30-second video. So I tried to watch the whole thing, and then that's the first one you... Like, if you type in Green Day for anything, yeah. that video is somewhere in there. The issue started, they were in the middle of... Uh, it was one of their shitty news songs. No, guns. no, what the fuck? Hold on. Gun. I can tell you right now. No, it's, it's an older song. Was it? I was pretty sure it was a new song. Because they were touring off a fucking album they just came out with. Which, in 2012... 20, nah, 2012, they didn't have, like, search. 21st Century Breakdown was their newest album. That was from 09. Why can't I think of the fuck? Udo Dota Stray was dude. the next one after that. And that was, like, 2014 or 15. Oh, shit. Maybe 13. I You've think. seen this video, right? Yeah. It's well, fucking what's funny is they are, like, fucking Justin Bieber now. This was a yep. funny yeah. video to watch because the whole reason it started was he's playing Basket Case and there's a sign like an automatic sign in the way back of the fucking crowd that tells you how many, how much time you have left. Yep. And it said one minutes because it was just a countdown so there's one left and he stopped. He's like, one fucking minute? So I guess one fucking minute? Yeah, but, fucking Justin Bieber, yeah, but, you motherfuckers. Him, but you make him sound like he's got balls That's what he's pissed like, me off. One fucking minute? I know that. One fucking minute, uh, I'm not Justin but he, Bieber. That's what I'm saying. He's up there with his black dyed hair, like the eyeliner, like trying to really Still be super the American punk rock. Idiot, oh, like, yeah, dude. And the, um, like, I get where it was going, but, I mean, you were watching that countdown the whole time. So when you started Basket Case and you knew it's like a three, four minute song and it mm-hmm. says two minutes, like, you really started playing the song just to lead up to that. Like, to me, it felt gimmicky. Like, we're Green Day. We're still a punk band. Like, we're yeah, trying to show Then he smashes a fucking guitar on yeah. stage. Like oh, so you know what it. I'm going to do? Yeah, and then what's the I'm going to break my name? own shit. What's the bass's name? Mike Dirt. Mike Dirt. Yeah, he started smashing his bass, too, when he saw Mike Billy Joe lose Dirt. his mind. It's like, he was just like, I got to support my boy here. I can't fucking <laughs> him be out here acting a fool and not what see him What would Chris Novoselic have done? Yeah, the two of them, when he stopped, they were both like, 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 Billy, you're not the cool stop, please. I'm just gonna let you guys know if something ever like that ever happens, I'm not smashing any guitars if you guys do. You wouldn't smash the Johnson. You're bringing in uh, easy seven figures annually. Yeah. <laughs> you might smash the Johnson. You're Green Bay on the yeah. Right? <laughs> you might be like fuck this thing. Any yeah. of them? Any of them besides the Johnson? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, I could see you smashing that Squire seven figure salary. A little pissed off, maybe a couple beers in here. <laughs> Squire might be smoked. Yeah. Other than that, sorry, Tim. <laughs> um, Someone actually commented on it because he tried to smash it. I think it was like an Epiphone. Um, no, it was a Les Paul Jr. It was Gibson. a Les Paul Jr. Was it a Gibson? Yeah. So, like, dude, he tried to smash it, and it like took him like five tries, yeah, and nothing he's... happened. And someone was like, two things about this video. One, that was the weakest fucking mm-hmm. freak out ever. And two, that is the most durable guitar I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to smash this thing, and it was just like... How the fuck like, did Kurt Cobain do this? <laughs> yeah, dude. He was strong as hell. Billy Joe's a bitch. <laughs> fuck you, Gibson, making this thing so goddamn good. Then bolt on next, bro. Yeah, Come dude. right off. <laughs> However, if he were to drop the Gibson, just like just dropped it flat on its face, would have broken the headstock off. It would have broken oh, the point. Yeah. Yeah. However, thinking about it though, it probably should have just smashed the fucking headstock off to begin with. Just been like, 
boom, just yeah. smash it broken. It would have looked way cooler than I'm just going to hit the stage with it four or five times. Yeah, he was in the middle of a gimmicky uh, we're still cool act at this point in time. What a pussy. Their new stuff is absolutely terrible. Oh, it sucks. Yeah, it's I was a teenage teenager. <laughs> it's like, yeah, dude, we all were. <laughs> at some point or another. <laughs> Lastly here in music news... In 2017, to thwart low payouts on YouTube, Post Malone releases a version of his latest single, Rockstar, and that is just the chorus looped five times. Jesus Christ. Comments are disabled, and users are offered a link to hear the full version on more profitable platforms. Wow. Taking what this fucking... Cheapskate. <laughs> well, I need my money. However, These motherfuckers want to listen to Rockstar, they gotta pay. However, if you probably looked in the related videos, the song was probably on there anyway. Yeah. Uploaded by somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no, there's no full on the internet, dude. Really? You don't like nah. Post Malone? Post Malone gets way too much prop, way too much props. This is the book. thing I feel really bad with Post Malone is, is exactly what you're saying, because I feel the same way about Post Malone. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of his music. No. Nah. But his character, like, listening to him and, like, talking to him and seeing where his influences actually are, I yeah. thought was pretty cool, because well, he's not... Well, he's live stream Nirvana thing. That's I what I was, that yeah. was trash. Really? You thought it was that bad? Yeah. See, there's a thing too. I know just because of the situation. Like he had the solo cup going. Like he was just kind of getting more and more off his game as the fucking show was going on. And here's the thing with especially post Malone. You don't have many figures that represent a band unless mm-hmm. they're huge already. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't see many people. Like, the the most underground people will go to try to show off a band is, like, wearing a Misfits shirt or, like, a Joy Division shirt. The fucking yeah. Unknown Pleasures album cover. Just to try to be as more obscure than, like, oh, look at my Rain and Blood t-shirt. Or, <laughs> you know, like, everyone always puts on this front and trying to listen to, like, a big act where if you're trying to really expose and say you listen to music that's not as mainstream as what you're a part of of like you could find thousands of other bands to like kind of put oh, on a yeah. show for people make a big mistake too with nirvana when they cover them i've made this mistake myself before so like they think they know the three riffs or whatever in this song and they think they can just play it like no no problem yeah those songs are tricky like there's a lot of like random little accents and stuff that if you don't and a lot of like dynamic build-ups and stuff where if you don't think about that shit like you have to like take a very close look at a nirvana song to cover i've it. i've been a victim of the cobainisms once or twice yeah like you you think you know how to play victim. it and then like yep. you you go to play the whole song and you're like oh there's a bunch of little parts in here i never really thought about yeah, yeah. have you been affected by the cobainisms of learning a nirvana song Please if you were a loved one suffered by Cobainism between the years of... Like, I've been playing guitar for 15 years and listening to Nirvana the whole time. And there's still Nirvana songs that throw me for a loop. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but keeping it on Nirvana as well, this kind of brings us into our main topic. Main topic. I was going to say, that was like a little lackluster right there. Like a build up for him. <laughs> Sounds like a fucking intro to a. My burps just album. don't come out. <laughs> Pretty sure that's like the vocals from most Dia side work. <laughs> Got Shout acid out to Glenn. reflux. Yeah. <laughs> I got real bad acid reflux, boys. Yeah, didn't he say something about us wishing him a happy birthday? Yeah, he's like, LOL, thanks. Awesome. Who? 
Glenn, Glenn Benton from DSI. <laughs> he said laugh out loud. <clears throat> yeah, he's like, LOL. That I can't to picture just Glenn Benton who burned Glenn an upside down Benton. cross into his fucking forehead, punching the three letters of LOL on a fucking keyboard or a phone. It's just bro, he did. That's what the fuck is up. funny about this shit, Glenn? Like, we're wishing you a happy birthday. This is no trying joke. to be nice, dog. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean. That was nicer than a lot of other ones that we've gotten. But you know, you wrote a song called "Fuck Your God" and you wrote "LOL." On DSI page. did kind of like that was kind of bothered me because they they stole the limelight from a bunch of other little bands. And ironic because they were. I like the, the other ones. Like I'm sure you guys have a lot of underground metal bands that you liked that didn't get. Well, I was going to mention because of the Post Malone topic, since I said earlier, topic in reference to Nirvana. Like you're saying, Connor, as well, with um, the idea. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't know how DSI translates, but <laughs> I did my best. Yeah, I, I was just like, okay, for the for the viewers that you don't should know, have like I was a rewind a transition there. <laughs> well, I already started the transition. I don't know what happened there. I know nothing of DSI. So branching off of what Steve was saying with the Nirvana thing, I feel like Nirvana kind of overshadowed a lot of bands. That may or may not have even influenced them at certain points. Yeah, like a band that's that's pretty notable. Tad, Mudhoney, Jesus Lizard, Pixies. Tad yeah. and Jesus uh, Lizard are like the two that come to mind. Is spe- and the Wipers too. Wipers. The yeah. Wipers bother. Tad's me. my big one. Hole. <laughs> I think Wipers for me because especially as of recent listening to them and like their writing structure, how they were kind of like that hybrid it's very to similar take to Nirvana. from punk into Nirvana and Nirvana's biggest influences were punk bands yeah. coming into it and starting that alternative sound. And Nirvana also- is literally like the production value of Cheap Trick, the dynamics of the Pixies and the songwriting arrangement of the- style of the White yeah. yeah, And it's funny too because this is where <laughs> it gets Nirvana. to me when yeah. we talk about like bigger bands that overshadow Maybe like, like the Black smaller Sabbath ones. Crunch. Yeah. D7 for instance. The cover. Right? Like, I have a friend, huge fucking Nirvana fan. Like, will swear by it to this day. Has a really intricate in utero tattoo on him. And I asked him one day, I was like, the fucking D7 cover, like, you ever listen to The Wipers? And he's like, no. And I was like, well, D7, you've heard that song by Nirvana, right? He's like, yeah. Now, don't you ever think, like, this band covered a song? Maybe I should go check out where it fucking came from. My cousin's like that. He grew up a big Nirvana fan, and he's, like, never listened to Meat Puppets. Yeah, that's that's what's crazy. Meat Puppets are another one, too. They're good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were kind of big from Unplugged. Nirvana really shouted them out with that. Mm-hmm. Like, but then Backwater came out like within six months after that. Like, they played like Letterman and Leno and all and that. And yeah. wake up in the morning yeah. to feel the day break on my face. But it's funny because people always complain too about like new music, new music sucks, new music sucks. But there's like a whole Moderate plethora rock. of bands that people haven't fucking listened to that. Yeah. Totally relate to already what they've heard. New music doesn't have to be from 2020. It could be, like I said, I try to fucking show this dude the wipers, and he kind of was like, yeah, I'll listen to it at some point. And never fucking once brought it up again. And it's like, dude, if you actually listened to Is This Real or Youth of America or Over the Edge, you would have been like, wow, like I fucking get it now. Yeah, or go absolutely. Out and listen to Tons of Nirvana go. fans don't even give the Pixies a go. Which is bad. That baffles me. And Or, or like PJ Harvey or yeah, something. Yeah, that baffles yeah. me. Like especially with this, especially Steve Albini doing have. their yeah. fucking work. Like, you yeah. would think just for producers alone, you'd be like, wow, this has to be similar in some way. Yeah. yeah. You know? I mean, um, there was tons of bands. The Breeders, uh, Urge yeah. Overkill. Yeah. Um, I think Violent Femmes got shafted in that era Paul. too, man. Grunt Truck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Grunt Truck's another one uh, I just recently L7. got into. 
um, skin oh. yard, pavement, pavement. Yeah, even pavement could have been bigger. Like, Oscar do. Pavement kind of made the Dinosaur Junior mistake where they were like, for some reason, dead set on only having one single per album. Yeah. Which in the '90s wasn't cutting it. Yeah. yeah. You had motherfuckers to drop in like eight singles and shit. <sighs> Look at Dirt. Like almost yeah. the whole thing is singles. Yeah. <laughs> never mind. Had like five singles in utero. There would have been four and ten. five songs released. Ten. Single. I was just gonna say yeah, as well. Probably was ten. Had a shit ton of singles. The biggest yeah. band though. And we always talk about this that kind of got snubbed on that tail end of like the post punk scene leading into the alternative grunge era has got to be the replacements. The replacements are a huge. Tim they should have been a number one shaft, album. Dude. Yeah, dude. Bastards of Young, Left of the Dial, Kiss Me on the Bus, yeah. Little Mascara. And it's funny because when mm-hmm. you talk about these all bands, all my life, we like uh, all like growing up, all of us like used to burn CDs, sky. yeah, listen to that shit. But it's like again, you could go talk to someone oh, who knows here Nirvana, comes a regular knows. Per- Pearl Jam, no Soundgarden, in and out. But then, if you bring up the replacements, you bring up you know the Wipers, you bring up Wires, Pink Flag. It's funny with they, the replacements because I feel like a big part of why the replacements didn't like blow up in the '90s was because Paul Westerberg was kind of on like a Bruce Springsteen, like Keith Richards, like singer songwriter yeah. tip in the '90s, which was like super out. Kurt Cobain even made a comment against the replacements in an interview. Oh yeah, someone was like, "Did you like the replacements? Were they an influence?" And he was like. Yeah, I had a lot of friends that liked the replacements. I saw them live a couple times. Never got it. <laughs> yeah, which is and that's that's yeah. like it no, just it baffles like, me though. He because fe- it was like he felt bad saying it. Like I got a lot of friends that like them. Like it was just never my bag. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is strange too because it, I don't know. They like, were they were too like classic rocky for him. That's what it was. Yeah, they. Had, they got away from the punk stuff too quick for him. I yeah. think he didn't like that. Well, they fucking dude. In my opinion, I think the Replacements might be like one of the most underrated bands like ever. Yeah, like they they have the fucking full blown shaft. Let yeah. it be should have been like their like document by REM where they they were like like it had like two hits off it or whatever like Lie Will Dare maybe and like uh like even like uh the Kiss cover uh Black Diamond Black Diamond Black Diamond yeah. fucking yeah. awesome yeah. Um, Ooh, fucking black diamond. What's it called? <laughs> the uh, and then Tim could have had like five singles. Oh yeah, yeah. hold my life. Obviously, that that was even pleased cool to meet me. Could have had like three. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he, and then he's like, every genre seems to have like that era. Like you go back even into like Pink Floyd, The Doors. One of the biggest bands, and again, there's so many bands that came out around that time that never really got the same recognition of part of that classic rock blending into that psychedelic rock. One of them, like the 13th Floor Elevators. Yeah. yeah that that album first album coming out in 1966, mm-hmm. right? You're going to miss me could have been number one. I don't understand. Like Splash could have been a yeah. top 40. Yep. And I think yeah. people it's they, they just tend to scratch the surface sometimes. Yeah. Because there was even like other bands like Moby Grape was out there. You had Quick other Silver Messenger. Yeah, service. you had other acts yeah. out there. Love. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And then you go forward, Stooges. you go forward. Stooges yeah. is a huge one. Because Iggy huge. Pop is yeah. the only reason that blew up to begin with. And if you watch the documentary, I think we recommended really, it a while Bowie. ago. 
Yeah. David Bowie shining a light. Yeah. But yeah. They, people hated the Stooges when they were on stage. They got shit everywhere they went performing as well, the Stooges. He's like rubbing fucking peanut butter on himself and shit. People thought he was weird. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, Funhouse should have been a fucking. Yeah, yeah. yeah should have been a smash hit. Yeah. Little do they know if they were to wait like two more decades, it would meet the uh, illustrious Gigi Allen. And Red oh, Hot yeah. Chili Peppers with the fucking socks and shit. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, too, in that sense as well, you could even bring in, like, when we talk about television, Hmm. like, Marky Moon should have been a huge album. album, And if it wasn't for our friends at Rate Your Music, I probably would never even really know about that album because I think that's a top album. What, that 77 or something like that? Stop, yeah. Yeah. And then you go forward, and we kind of brought them up as being, like, kind of an overcasting, but. Tending to spawn the genre because Joy Division never got an opportunity to tour, kind of tour in the states. Overshadowed everybody in that first new wave. And the Cure, I think, yeah, and, and the, the Smiths, Cure. they yeah, all yeah. really kind of because t- like Echo and the Buddy Men never got really past that era, and like they got blended in as being like another Candlebox. Yeah, type and it's funny. Band Me and you genre. had we had the Smiths argument a little bit in the group chat, and I went back and listened to that first Smiths album, and uh, I wasn't crazy about it. Yeah, I still I, it was boring. I still think that and Queen is Dead are just they're good albums. They're good, but I I just think they're overrated. Like, well, but that's the thing. If I the think, marketing wasn't as good as it was, I think people would have they would be like as popular now as like Midnight Oil. Well, ironically, shit. when you talk about that band, you can say that about like for instance when we talk about like the big four thrash is like the most notable notable like overshadowing of bands because in that scene oh, yeah. in the eighties there were so many thrash acts coming out that could never hit that level of success financially because there was already the four on the pedestal mm-hmm. you know Slayer Megadeth Anthrax and Metallica and right. I honestly I haven't listened to a full Metallica probably in like a year but I've listened to like full Exodus albums, full Testament albums. Well, they say for good reason. Overkill hasn't been out anything that was worth a fuck in yeah. like the last like twenty five years. But like that's kind of how I am with you and the Smiths because there was a point in time where you played the Smiths. Like, yeah, you really sure. played the shit out of them. Well, that was mainly because I hung out with a certain someone who loved the Smiths. Yeah, and they like I tr- I was trying to like them kind of that. They always had songs I liked. I liked the Headmaster Ritual. I like uh uh. I won't share you. I like. Yeah. I like. Uh, Stop me if you think you've heard this one before. Hand in glove. What difference does it make? Is great. Mm. I like that song. That's never crazy. Uh, Big mouth strikes again. Big is mouth. great. There's uh, a light. And then there's maybe one or two more that I can't think of, but I panic. Uh, but yeah, the albums don't. They're singles band for me. I, yeah. I like louder than bombs is. We really have all that. That's how I am kind of with like the Cure. Yeah. Like there's certain albums that maybe I'll kind of go through, but I rather have like a greatest hits. I can the listen Cure. to the Cure albums, like Three Imaginary Boys, uh, Faith, Pornography. Pornography is the one that um, I really always go back to. Very kiss good. me, kiss me, kiss me. Um, I can listen to all their shit until like the mid '90s all the way through. What's big too is like staying like earlier as well because i had a thing where um like if you go if you show someone like an album cover for like uh you know let it be yeah by the beatles you know i mean abbey road like people will just know that because it's just so in your face but around that time and and it's funny because like even with the album cover should stand out to people but i have somebody like i was like showing albums to and i went and put on it was the velvet underground and nico Hmm. the fact that that album is still known as like it's i think it's on like top albums oh, yeah. of all time but they never got that level of mainstream no. success i think it's only one times platinum 
Exactly, uh, but that's what's crazy because that really, magnitude, yeah, yeah, that's a they, wow. they talked about that when You'd that album came There's out. Some albums you'd think like sold way more that didn't. Yeah, when that yeah. album came out, it was the same thing with Iggy Pop at the time when he was with the Stooges. Yeah. They ripped that fucking album. They were like, "This is just dark, even depressing." The, it's like you know, it's even cynical. the idiot and uh, the lost, lost for, for life. life probably only went gold at best. Yeah, I would suspect. Yeah, um, like uh, like Tad probably never went gold. Yeah. No. Um, the Smiths never went platinum here. What about even like Mud Honey, dude? Mud Honey probably never even went gold. Yeah. Green River. Maybe yeah. Super Fuzz, Big Moth, but that yeah. would be it. But it's just sad because again, you talk about people that only scratch the surface because there's so many bands that are notable enough, and nobody ever wants to really dig deep. And you think about how many talented acts there were out there that people never even fucking dove into because. Yeah. Though they already had enough, they like got enough <clears throat> of what they wanted to listen to. Another one, uh, Sunny Day Real Estate. But yeah, they were a great original band that kind of pioneered a genre. And the then, whole like, emo scene technically came from them. Yeah, and then fucking Dave Grohl comes along, steals half the band with fucking big Nirvana money, lures them in. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Hey, you guys want to be in a fucking pulled up stupid in a van down yeah, Sunny Day say. Real Estate studio?" I'm like, listen. I give you guys twenty thousand dollars cash right now. He's like, sick and tired of putting in albums that nobody knows about. He's like the equivalent <laughs> to like the fucking creepy dude in the rape van luring kids That's in. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he pulled right up to the Sunny Day Studios. <laughs> like, listen, you guys are sick of not being on the radio, aren't you? Yeah. Steering the the the, the that direction. That Germanic dude, he, he sucks. <laughs> Come with me. Steering the direction towards uh, like a decade that wasn't really talked about at all. Is eight is the eighties? Well, aside yeah. from the thrash and like all the punk acts yeah. and stuff, yeah. Like uh, the hair metal thing, dude. A lot of bands got overlooked because of the poisons and the Motley Crue's oh, yeah. and the shit like that. Bands like Winger, yeah. Like who's Beavis and Butthead's friend? Uh, Nelson? No. Uh, Stewart. Stewart. Yeah, yeah, he likes Winger. <laughs> say say whatever you will about Kip Winger. I think the guy's a tool. But they did make extremely good music. Yeah. Like Even that rat to an extent kind of got overshadowed and I I Yeah, like I kind of put it in, rat. Now they're being Do you Steve see the guy commercial? Yeah. Uh Robin Crosby. Rat, rat problem. <laughs> Have you seen that? No. The guy commercial. So at the very beginning, it's a family. Like, we just moved into a new home, and everything's going so great. And then it's a pause, and the husband goes, but we have a rat problem. And then it goes to the band, like, as they are now. It's like, round and round. And they're trying to, like, do their dishes and shit. Rats in every room playing that song. In the bathroom. In the basement. (laughs) It's fucking... And she's like, yeah, coming down with her laundry, and she sees them. I always like the riff from that song. Yeah. It's a cool riff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Out of the Cellar's got a lot of good riffs. Yeah. But how I've always kind of, like... uh, like it's no secret this is like my wheelhouse and I kind of put like there's like layers to these bands like you have like the Van Halens and then like the Poisons of Motley Crews then on the next tier down you have like the Rats and you know like the Badlands and shit like that and then underneath you have the bands like the Wingers fucking Firehouse Slaughter Docking. Like, yeah. there are all these bands that are actually really fucking good that have these, like, insane virtuoso guitar players yeah. and shit, and they just, they just got swallowed up in the whole thing. See, that's the sad Danger, thing. Danger. That scene. Or na- Naughty, Naughty, fucking one of them. 
And that's a shame because that scene alone would became a turnoff because of the mainstream bands. Mm-hmm. Like even for Def Leppard, I fucking hated Def Leppard for like the longest time because Just of like pour fan. some sugar and all that shit. Uh, yeah. And then I went and listened to um, Adrenaline. What's the first album? High and Dry. High and Dry. And I heard um, Let It Go, and I saw the video for it, and I was like, this would have been like a fucking like. Like, I would have really enjoyed Def Leppard yeah, if this exactly. came out at a different time instead of being shattered around what they became later on and mm-hmm. part of that. Like, every time I hear Def Leppard, the first thing I'm going to hear from somebody is they probably, like, blast Warren all the time. They probably blast the Scorpions all the time. Yeah. You know, like, and then there's other bands like Skid Row, for instance, that came up and were kind of, like, one foot in, one foot out and trying to be a heavy metal band and, like, a glam mm-hmm. metal band and, like, never Even really... Even the Scorpions to an extent. Same thing, yeah. Yeah, they they kind of got swallowed up in a lot of that shit. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like they had they had a couple big songs, but no, you don't ever hear people talking about Scorpions like you hear them talking about like Bon Jovi. Oh yeah, and shit like that. Yeah, another band too. I kind of put in like that type of category too is Accept and Anvil. Yeah, Accept and Anvil. Yeah. Like, dude, they're both like extremely good fucking bands that are talked about. Like, you know, I like did see being the Anvil movie, the story of Anvil. Did you? Yeah. Very sad. I felt yeah, I, I felt bad, yeah. dude. Yeah. But they're like, I forget what they said. There was something. I mean, they like, have got to live a decent life, though. But still, it's just like. Yeah. That's just their part in the big tale. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it is what they, it is. What'd they say? They said something about, like, selling 10,000 albums or 10 albums of something that's pure versus selling 10 million of something that is fabricated. Yeah. And, like, that kind of, like, stuck with me. It was like, well. I kind of felt bad, but, you know, they, they stuck to their guns with it. Yeah. But my fucking gripe with these two bands in particular, except in Anvil, is that you have all these fucking bands, particularly the bands from the Big Four. Well, yeah, Diamond Head in there as well. Yeah, but all these guys are like, oh, yeah, fucking major influence. Metallica yeah. wouldn't be Metallica without Anvil. And it's yeah. like, well... If this is the case, why didn't Metallica bring Anvil out I was on a fucking say, tour yeah. as an opening band or something? Like, why the fuck do you let these guys fall into obscurity if yeah. they're so fucking beloved and they're so important to the Metallica story? Yeah. Why did you let this happen? It's almost like, yeah. Even Slash, he was in the fucking movie too, said the same thing. Oh, I wouldn't play guitar the same way if fucking Anvil didn't come out. It's like, well then, in the 80s, no one was bigger love. than fucking Guns N' Roses. Like... <laughs> Why didn't you bring him out? Like, even, like, a Canadian leg of the tour. That's, like, um... One show. Especially in that scene, like, the new wave of British heavy metal that was coming over with, like, Judas Priest. Yeah. Especially Iron Maiden now, because they're still fucking touring and putting on huge shows. Venom was the one band with that album, Black Metal, and, you know, like, Welcome to Hell. They were coming out with that same redundant, you know kind of heavy metal almost power metal but with a darker tone and they totally inspired slayer they toured together and shit like that and venom's still putting out music which is ironic but venom gets put up there as nothing more than just like the obscure band that is the influence to these bands but same thing where like like venom's still putting out music yeah you imagine a slayer venom tour an iron maiden venom tour you know what I mean? But exactly. their whole moniker is like pentagrams and Satan and all this shit. But Slayer got away with it. Slayer was able to put out the same shit over and over and over again, get on the radio, you know what I mean? Put mm-hmm. on these huge shows, play with these fucking multi-successful bands. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it is it is funny because, like, especially Diamond Head. 
when we talked about like Anvil and Accept, like Metallica obviously put them on the map with all their covers. Yeah. You know, I think on Kill 'Em All, like the first reissue had a cover of Blitzkrieg on there. And people, when they hear the covers, it's like, all right, maybe I'll listen to the band. But never at any point did you see like, ooh, opening for Metallica. Wasn't Seek and Destroy a cover of another Diamond Head song? It's very similar. The one, riff writing one could is, say. Not going to say it's called Sucking My Love, which I believe is track four off of Lighting the Nations by, yeah. Diamond yeah, it, it, it's very similar. Very, very similar. I mean, however, as Metallica progressed later on in their career, they're, we they're see obviously... I mean, they stole their whole album pretty much from Dave Mustaine, too, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we kill them all. Two they're albums. Nine. Well, actually, hey, Dave. yeah, by the Lightning's like 85%, like it starts to get watered down. Yeah. Like, even like Call of Cthulhu was Dave's, totally too. Dave's. Hey, that's Ride a- the Lightning, the riff and Ride the Lightning. Yeah. That's all his. Well, that, that, that's another yeah, thing, yeah, too. They just straight stole all his shit. Like, Metallica's yeah. kind of fucked. Like, Lars has this, like, super entitled attitude, and it's like, dude, you stole half your shit. Like, I honestly <laughs> just... Yeah, it's they the recently truth. played... You kicked out the dude who wrote everything and didn't let him use it himself. Yeah, they recently you know? played um, on Howard Stern's show... And, like, this is where I talk about the overshadowing, but that really bothers me. Because you have so many thrash acts out there that are thrash bands. Yeah. And Metallica was, like, the godfather of that. Like, the, you know, the father nurturing all these young bands and influencing oh, yeah. all them. I watched them play on the Howard Stern show. They played three songs. Three songs. Like, if you're going to pick three Metallica songs, you would want to hear, like, something off of Master of Puppets. Yeah. And Justice for All, even. Any of those first I would four pick, albums. If I had to pick three Metallica songs from to play live and actually have them sound good, it would be like Welcome Home Sanitarium, Harvester of Sorrow, and just for shits and giggles, I'd want to hear For Whom the Bell Tolls. Yeah. Those would probably be my three. They played The Unforgiven, Wherever want, I May Roam, and All Within My Hands. I'd want Dude. The Unforgiven Three, The Day That Never Comes, <laughs> and Fuel. You wouldn't want the same anger for the title track? Has anyone else heard this fucking All Within My Hands song? Yes, I just heard it. It's fucking total garbage. It's, really it's not even interesting. This is, but There's this no is, sugarcoating it. It fucking sucks. This is where it bothers me, though, because everyone that like gets close to these, like when we talk about all these big bands, nobody of any type of credibility is willing to say something to just acknowledge the fact that it's not because they don't want to get like, I, ha- like I, I got mad respect for Howard Stern, but after they got done playing, they like, wow. That just blew me away. I would have been like anything from like 1990 and below, anything, doing anything from then. Metallica hasn't blown me away in a live setting since 1989. The Seattle? Seattle. Yeah. Binge, live shit, binge and Dude, there's just like a fucking, there's a definitive line in Metallica live shows to where they just couldn't bring it anymore. Yeah. And it's like after the Black Album, they just couldn't do it. They, they're right. not the same band. Going back to, like, I was just thinking, you know, especially with Nirvana and, like, we talk about, we talked about Tad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Tad's one of, like, the biggest bands that I got into as a result of just because this band influenced this band. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's a band, I just don't get why people just don't know off the top of their head and, like, put in the same realm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No voices speak out. It's just, it's so, like, that music, like, even the Melvins, like, the Melvins don't even get that much credit no. as they should. Doty, doty, do. Yeah. La, yeah, come la, to think of it, la, no la, one la. ever really talks about the Melvins at all. Yeah, no, no one gives like, a fuck about the Melvins. And it's funny because Lamb of God put that cover album 
uh, the Burn the Priest, and they had Honey Bucket on there, and yeah, it's fucking dope. But I mean, again, that, like even if I listened you, like, to Houdini last night, it's just sad because again, like go back to that D Seven cover, and it's like you you wouldn't think your first interest was to be it says like cover song, you know what I mean? Yeah. You look up the track listing, and you don't think at any point like, ooh, the Wipers, obviously this is. You know, if anybody heard Painkiller by Death, I'm sure they would want to know where the fuck it came from. Yeah. Another two bands that I wanted to bring up, too, are the Tubes and the Smithereens. Mm. Yeah, Smithereens should have got more love, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were, like, another band to where, like, I say it all the time, where they're, like, a band that came out, like, before their time. Like, you think about the Smithereens, if they, yeah, if they were came released, out in, like, 93. They exactly. Big, yeah. Think if, like, if a girl like you came out in, you know, 93 90, instead of 88 or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. They were fucking huge. Same deal with I'll Be You by The Replacements. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's just so funny because no one ever really talks about these kind of bands like this, but they were, like, innovators in their own right. Like, yeah. Like, you can't tell me right now that, you know, no one had listened to the Smithereens and, you know, like, Kurt never fucking listened to a Smithereen song oh, he, before. I never he, got a he fucking cited, especially for you, as one of his favorite albums. Oh, really? Times. Yeah, the one Smithereens albums. See what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, there's no way that you can't cite these people as influences, and then fucking he considered getting the dude who produced, especially for you, for Nevermind. I think even oh he shit, really liked especially for you. Yeah. Well, he made the right call with uh, Butch Fig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that that the, the dude who did the Smithereens would have made them sound like very eighties. Yeah, like, yeah. My biggest one is every death metal band except Cannibal Corpse before the year two thousand. <laughs> every single one. <laughs> Cannibal Corpse. Cannibal it's Corpse funny. ruined it, dude. Well, Cannibal Corpse is still kind of to the general normal music listening population as like an underground band. Yeah, for the but most they're like part. the ones that like they're fucking like a submarine still like skimming the surface like enough for everybody in the mainstreams to still understand yeah. it to like that's the genre but they totally like miss out everything on else. The, yeah like everything before 2000 all that death metal <laughs> that came out like oh this band was in Ace Ventura yeah exactly exactly like Another anybody one, too like Napalm Death and shit like that like all those older grindcore dude, bands Carcass, and stuff yeah Carcass like Michael Lamont from fucking Arch Enemy now is huge with Arch Enemy and totally forgot he's like part of the originator of grindcore with Napalm Death well here's the thing too like I never knew about Carcass until I got into fucking Arch Enemy and I'm like Michael Lamont yeah let me read about him he's a good guitar go player hard and work, I found, yeah exactly um, yeah dude it's fucking nuts like these bands that get overshadowed like this. Yeah, and the the we talked about this before in the extreme level of like death metal, especially. It just again, it's like when a bunch of bands are all coming out with nobody at the forefront to kind of bring them into a spotlight. Yeah, like you have other bands that are able to bring it there and kind of be subjected to people that want to go back and listen. There was never a band that could be on the radio. Like yeah. just, they never conformed to be able to do that. But you had thrash metal bands that could be on there. But you, I mean, that whole Tampa scene when you had like Obituary, you had Morbid Angel, you had Benediction, you had Carcass, uh-huh. you had Death, obviously, you know. But at never any point were people driving down the road and gonna hear like the Philosopher on you know ninety three three or something. When yeah. I listened to Leprosy not too long ago, it, and I saw I was reading about them, and I saw they were from the Tampa, like it was recorded in yeah. Tampa. Hmm. I was like, this is totally a Tampa vibe. Oh yeah, but it's like, funny because if like, wait, so you listen to Leprosy? I, I what did you think? And Fate, yeah. What did you think about them? They're good. Yeah, I like them. I mean, uh, they're you, probably like I like them better than like Ride the Lightning, less so than 
Better than Ride the Lightning and Injustice for All, less than Kill Em All and Master Puppets. Yeah, I mean, like, so you can understand our love and appreciation for death. Yeah, I mean, metal's not like my main wheelhouse in general, but <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that's like a bad band. I think they're a good band. Yeah, I put them out there as a genre that I typically don't tell people about or recommend because I know how de- it's the same thing with jazz. Yeah, like yeah, people so that people's... listen to jazz that really listen to jazz are like super pretentious and they'll like force it on you. But me, it's like I'll like some jazz, but I'll never go out there and be like, "Yo, you should listen to this." And death yeah. metal is like the same way. Like I can't put it out there as like this is gonna be a moderate listen that almost anybody could kind of find a way to enjoy. Like you could go throw out Nirvana to people, Alice and Change the people, even Metallica as being like heavy enough to a point where people might listen to it if they yeah. actually are interested but i couldn't be like here here's scream bloody gore you might yeah. like this album dad <laughs> you know what i mean my dad's listening to fucking renegade by sticks you know what you would like that mm-hmm. actually i do kind of remember my dad catching me listening to that kind of shit at one point <laughs> or another and i believe it resulted in me punching his truck because he told me it wasn't real music and being the angsty teenager I was, I was like, I'll show you, Dad. Yeah, my uh, stepmom actually was. It's called guttural out. vocals. It's a real thing. Yeah, I had an issue like that. My stepmom wouldn't take me on trips anymore when I was like 15 years old because she thought like I was like like Damien from The Omen or something. Like, I might like, <laughs> like the car might light on fire while we're driving or something. She got really like fucking weirdly <laughs> spiritual on me and it was really bad for a while. That's funny. <laughs> So, I guess to kind of conclude this, do we, I guess let's pick one band. Like, recommend a band that if you. Should have been big. Yeah. Exactly. Like, if you like this, you should have fucking listened to this. All right. Well, let me see here. Like, I would really like to say The Replacements, but I feel like that's just like a fucking given. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if you're fans of like the grunge, the, the whole grunge deal, if you're fans of the first Nirvana album, you have to check out Tad. Yeah. 100%. I feel like they should have been bigger than what they were. Yeah. I, 100%. Yeah, Tad, if they would have just been able to... Con- like, the problem with Tad was they just did... For whatever reason, when they did uh, Inhaler, they couldn't... It was like uh, what I said with Dinosaur Jr. And uh, I forget who I compared them to, but you can't have one fucking single on an album in the 90s. Exactly. you got to have at least, like, two, you know, or three, like... Yeah. Um, for me, I don't know who I would pick. Um, maybe like Joy Division. Like Joy Division. I mean, he died though, so it's kind of tough. Like he, they kind of sunk the. Yeah, but shit. still, the fact that they were got to get on that U.S. tour, that those albums didn't like blow up at the thought. You know, yeah. I mean, they never were able to really get touch and scrape that. Like, but even going back, like that, how influential they are, I think it's a problem that like not a lot of people can get into it. Like I, I said, might say the Stooges are the band I think that should have been a lot bigger. That it's yeah. just like crazy they weren't huge. Yeah, like they're, it's crazy that the Stooges are like way less successful than Ario Speedwagon. <laughs> yeah, mine's gonna be the Wipers. Okay, I think so the Wipers should have been fucking way bigger than they are. Mm-hmm. I think Greg Sage is a genius. Yeah, Greg Sage is crazy. Just the writing talents and just the consistency and the. Dynamics. He literally invented the whole '90s style. Yeah. Because if you go from Is This Real to Youth of America, just like the transition from like a Ramones punky album and to more of like edge. a dark. Yeah, and then Over the oh, Edge. Was, the over edge. the Edge was like probably yeah. what Nirvana's 
in yeah. utero, never mind compilation would be between Youth of America and Is This we, Real? Yeah. yeah, dude. Yeah. The wipers. <laughs> nice. So, do you have any ideas of your own? Or are you just, you know, mindless sheep wandering behind us listening to everything that we have to say? If you have thoughts of your own and you have bands that were overshadowed or bands that people kind of just skim over in their normal day-to-day listening, you can find us on all of our social media platforms at, at our ATM podcast. And if you feel so inclined to do so, you can write to us on our email at ratmpodcast at gmail.com. But that concludes the topic for this week. Now, let's get into our personal suggestions. I got the Mud Honey compilation, March to Fuzz. Um, it's from 2000, but Sub Pop still has them. So it's a dub, big 30 track, double disc CD. Uh, it's like a Mud Honey retrospective, greatest oh, nice. hits type deal, even though they had no hits. Um,. You can still get them for cheap. Um, I mean, it's a Mud Honey career compilation. I'll go with if you want to check out one song from Mud Honey, maybe the money will roll right in. Nice. March to Fuzz. I'm going to keep it on uh, what we talked about. I'm going to recommend the 1981 second release by the Wipers, Youth of America. The standout track for me is Can This Be? Nice. Um, following. You know, following the uh, the topic here, I want to choose "Cats in the Cradle" by Ugly Kid Joe off their album "America's Least Wanted." I feel like Ugly Kid Joe they had this song, but all the other shit on this album, like everything about you and shit like that, like no one ever really talks about Ugly Kid Joe, and they were a pretty good fucking band for the time. And I feel like, well. They probably got the shaft because it was like the end of the whole hair metal thing and grunge was becoming more prevalent and it was I think like this album came out like nineteen ninety one. Ooh, yeah. So it was bad kind timing. of like yeah, it was like extremely bad timing. But Ugly Kid Joe is a band that often gets overlooked like big time unless you hear the Cats in the Cradles cover. Actually, you know what? Fuck that. I'm not choosing Cats in the Cradles because <laughs> that one's fucking that one's too obvious. I want to choose everything about you. It was the second single off this album. America's Least Wanted, Ugly Kid Joe. All right. They turned out to be correct. <laughs> yeah. America's Least Wanted. Our group suggestion this week, also following the the following in the footsteps of our topic, is the 2008 documentary directed by Shasha Gervasi, Anvil, The Story of Anvil. Yeah. Nice. It's definitely a good watch. Um... Like I said, it's a real tearjerker at certain points in the movie. And at the end of the day, rock and roll will never die. Metal don't metal. You ever notice that their albums... (laughs) Do you ever notice that their albums are like... Like, uh, this is 13. Metal on metal. Yes. And it's it's like a letter, something else, and then another letter. Yes. Like, it's like that's every one of their albums. Yeah. And, like, honestly, I, th- I thought about it, like, midway through the movie. I was like, if I was a band and, like, my first, like, three or four didn't hit, I think I'd give it up at a certain point. What, albums? Yeah. Yeah. Like, after, like, my... I If I didn't make it, or at least have, like, a fucking full-blown legitimate fucking hit by, like, album two, mm. 
I would slowly start reconsidering my career choice or maybe trying to be like a session guy or like try to like talk to like fucking, I don't know. It is sad. Anvils became like the band that you pick last in dodgeball. Like you got, I'm going to take a dog and make it to yeah, exactly. Like if oh, I was an anvil, anvil, dude. Like after anthrax. like yeah. <laughs> if I was an anvil, dude. After like the third or fourth album, I'd be fucking rigging up Scotty and be like, "Hey, man, Danny Spitz is about to fucking leave the band." <laughs> they I would even yeah. You even find like ways around it. Like I'll take Scotty and other band SOD as well <laughs> before. Like, <laughs> Yo, Scott, you need some uh, guitar yeah, help in SOD. I'll be over. I'll, I'll oh be down my for that, God, dude. <laughs> hey, Dave, don't look for Marty Friedman. I can handle. This. I'll take I'll take Rob Halford's solo career as well. <laughs> Before. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> is there is there anybody else? Is, is there any side projects available? Yeah, I, I forget what it is. Like in South Park, like there'll be like a question, and like Cartman will raise his hand, and like Mr. Garrison's like, "Anybody else? Anyone? Please, anyone?" Because he just doesn't want to hear. That's like Anvil raising their hand in class. Like, please God, poor band. Yeah, but don't let that deter you from watching this film. It's actually it's a, it's actually a really good documentary. Yeah, you should know about it if you like any of those bands mentioned. In Absolutely, the, actually any of the bands we mentioned at all. Yeah, pretty much. If you're a fan of this podcast, yeah. <laughs> but once again, this is another episode of Rage Against the Mainstream podcast for the books. If you like, you can find us on our social media accounts: Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at R A T M Podcast. You can find us on our Gmail. If you want to write to us, say some nice things, say some bad things. We don't care. We want to see some interaction from you guys. Let us know what you think. Do you think Anvil's the greatest fucking hidden gem, national treasure of Canada? Get at us at retmpodcast at gmail.com. But once again, this is Rage Against the Mainstream signing off. As always, I'm Bill. Connor. I'm Steve. Have a good night, guys. Thanks for listening.